Greetings and salutations, listeners. This is Kelly. We are something old, new, borrowed, and true here with my good gals, Amanda and Carrie. And we have decided that today we are going to discuss your team. And we don't mean you're starting five men and women for basketball. We mean your good core part of your team that is outside of your family for building a dream team, if you will. Oops, did I just throw basketball back in? I don't know. It could be March Madness. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. You could be listening to this in December, but we're going to forgive me because it is March right now. So when we talk about building your team, we're going to kind of go with a top five feel here. And we... I'm going to start with who I believe you have as essentials in case you're planning a wedding that you are just so in love and you don't care about all of the stuff and you just want to get married. I'm going to exclude your wedding gown or whatever you're wearing and your suit tux, uh, whatever you're wearing. And because that kind of goes without saying, but I would say that your music, we're not going to talk about ceremony music, though that is extremely important and the ceremony truly is let's face it really the most important part of your wedding and then we're going to go into um, what we're going to start with is your reception cocktail hour and reception and then I think most everybody has flowers in some fashion so we'll talk florists and a little bit of decor and then everybody wants to have their wedding documented so we need to talk about that photographer. Wedding film and videography, while I find great value in that, I and whenever people choose not to do it, that has been my experience of if anyone has regretted anything of their wedding, it has been not to have, or having not chosen to do videographer. But that is, uh, I'm going to say that's on the, the outer edge of our, uh, top of our wish list if we can then we will, but photography we do need. So what is a vendor? In the event that you don't use the same language that we do, and that is part of your team, and you're going to see that in everything online, that's whatever you read, you kind of hear vendors speak. All right, what is a vendor? Well, Kelly, I am so glad you asked. Hi there, friend. We never want to isolate anybody or seem elitist or seem like we're talking the inside lingo because this is available to all of you. This podcast is to bring us down to help our couples in this joyful engagement period. So according to Google, which is the new Webster dictionary, a vendor is a person or company offering something for sale. So I think that is the definition of a vendor and it is nicer than calling them like the hired help and it or it's easier to refer to them in a group when you're communicating like vendor email and you can tack everybody on it's a very approved way to bring together all those special people who are helping you and treat everybody equally because like Kelly said, everyone who's helping you is important and these are specifically people who you are paying for a service. It doesn't mean that you can't include your aunt on the email if she's doing something to help you, but this would be a great way to address all those people. Send mass emails to high vendor team. This is what we're doing. This is our timeline. 
everybody on this email. I wanted to let you know who's helping me this weekend and then people can scavenger hunt or you can BCC everybody if you want to just share that in a document so then the reply all doesn't get crazy. Love having emails that are super clear and I could find it. So to me, vendor is a keyword we're gonna be throwing around so that you can group all these fabulous people together to help you with your day. All right, so we're gonna start with the band. I think probably in the United States of America, on statistical averages, maybe more people have a DJ. And I don't know what that's going to be based on. I know they can be far less money than a band. My, our experience of events is bands, primarily, not primarily, but uh, more often than not. The band you are choosing, usually you have heard of them. Usually you have either been to something or... You love to hear a cover or sometimes our great bands will play at a cool bar on Fridays and then they book gigs on Saturdays and you know you want to hear the amazing, awesome Motown action all night long at your wedding from blah, blah, blah. So the band is going to be contracted typically for X amount of hours. There are some that construct that in different ways, but usually it is, I think, about a three-hour contract. Typically, they run three sets of X amount of minutes. They do have to take breaks, everyone. Let's face it, if you went to see, I don't know, U2 or uh, Taylor Swift, she's probably going to play for an hour and a half, maybe, maybe, and these people are expected to perform for three hours. So let's Remember how grateful we are for those hours. They are usually present because they have to come in the afternoon to set up and make sure everything is all sound check, that kind of thing. But they will be there present during your cocktail hour. Typically, that would be you either choose maybe one piece of them. So perhaps a saxophone or an acoustic guitar or keys or sometimes it's a playlist from their sound system, depending on if you're cocktail hour or arrival time hour, I should say. In case you're not having a cocktail hour, there is a period of time in the front end of your reception that people are arriving, so you must have some lovely music playing for that. Then you have your sitting for dinner. So it's everyone has come in, we're sitting for dinner, And most of the time, people don't want the band playing during dinner, and they're fine with them playing a dinner set from their sound system. A lot of feedback that I would get is that, I'd say more parents would say, oh, I don't like when a band is playing at dinner because it's loud, and you can't hear each other visit and talk. I think that others feel like it's impolite to be speaking and talking and chatting during people's performances, which I think is sweet and cute and I would also say that sometimes people are tempted to get out and start dancing on the dance floor when the band is playing and it is during dinner and then sometimes think that's not a good idea because the bride and groom haven't celebrated their first dances yet. So then dinner concludes and then you would have kind of the kickoff of your special dances, which would be the first dance of the bride and groom and then the father-daughter dance and in some cases not all cases, a mother-son dance, and then everyone's invited to the dance floor. So that's a typical average of what you would be looking at. You want to choose a band that 
you love. You get to look at playlists a little bit. What I would caution you is, in bands, I love you. You know I do. I would usually advise everyone not to choose a band solely based on the website that you hear because that sound is oftentimes not a true representation of how great they are. Think that some people have the ability and production companies and recording studios and things like that. And so they might sound great, but others, I don't know the rhyme or reason, but I would, I, I would not suggest totally counting on a website to choose your band. That being said, good referrals from other people, reviews if you feel confident about them sometimes. And a good idea is to ask a band if you can come and listen to them, if they have maybe a gala that they're playing at a hotel where you could be off in a hallway and not seen as a crasher and get a good feel for how they look and sound. Most bands, I would say, I don't want to say most bands, but a lot of bands are just one established group of people that are always there all the time. So for instance, it would be always this person on drums, always this person on bass, always this person on keys, always this person as vocalist. And then sometimes you would add people in to get a bigger feel. For instance, if you wanted some horns, that kind of thing. On the flip side, you would have a couple of situations where certain bands might have the capability of they have more players. And so they can perhaps one great sounding band and product can play two weddings a night. So it would be this group of, you know, vocalists, male and female with this guitarist, this drummer, this blah, blah, blah. So when you're booking them, for instance, if there's somebody that you love that you heard that is got a certain voice that you really, really want, then you're going to want to be specific about that vocalist so that you make sure that you get the group that you fell in love with. DJs. I think you have to be really careful about making sure you understand that if you don't have a wedding planner, they oftentimes end up being the person that run the sequence of your night of action items and the flow. So we have to be forgiving of the fact that there is some pressure in that. They really do need to know what they're doing. They are your MC. So you also have to like their personality. We don't want to have the situation where I've got a bride crying because this DJ has been calling her name every other second, which this has happened. And she's looking at me going, dear God, please tell him to stop speaking. And maybe it's all he knows in his wheelhouse. And it's this or that organized dance, this or that organized dance, this or that, you know, it's almost like a cattle call of getting people out there that, and it's annoying and irritating and people want to crawl under a table or leave your wedding. <laughs> so that's not good. Uh, for instance, you want to know, are they the kind, you want to just ask what's their kind of format because, and you want to make sure that if it is a big group that you know the voice that you're getting. So if you think if it's, I'm just going to make up a name. I don't even know the Mars entertainment group. And you decided to book a wedding in, under their umbrella with a DJ that you think sounds great. And again, I want to say, if you're choosing this just because you think it is that much better and less money, 
that's great and all, but this can make or break your night. Uh, the, the music in your whole day can really have an impact. I cannot emphasize enough that ceremony music is a big, big deal. People love music. It moves you. It makes you cry. It makes you laugh. It brings you joy. It brings you goosebumps. It does all of these things. It warms our heart. It gets our heart jumping. It gets us dancing. It's important. So if I have a DJ that makes people want to stick a pencil in their ears, then we're not having a good day. I don't love when they ask you to come out and do this special dance where it's celebrating, you know, years of marriage and they will bring out the anniversary dance. So all the people that are married in the room come to the dance floor. And so you have all of these parents, but and your friends that are married, that are young and whatever. And then one by one of years of marriage, he'll have them leave the dance floor, which sometimes is cute because you end up with grandma and grandpa that have been married for 50 years. Maybe that was your purpose. On the other hand, you have all the people who are not married in your fine room of guests. And perhaps they are sad that they're the only ones sitting there in their chair while all the other married people are dancing the night away with their cute little loved one. A lot of people don't want to hear for instance, the YMCA or the Macarena ever in this lifetime again. The line dances kind of went away. Cupid Shuffle, I think is what that thing was called. And some other things. Perhaps they were making a comeback. That's for you guys to decide. But that is important to have these conversations. And then, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, hide it. I do not like a dollar dance. I do not like it. I do not like it. I do not like it. My brother, I had one, I think, uh, and I love him more than anything in the world, but I hate a dollar dance. Oh, what is this? I don't, it I is literally the worst thing. And then we had a crazy banana wedding where, oh, it was mis mixed cultures and Oh my goodness, she was of a certain ethnicity and he was of a certain religion and it was super fun what because is we it? had, he was, you know, it was a big Jewish celebration and we had a horror and we had this and that, but then we had a mariachi band in the cocktail hour and as the recessional went on and it was all these things, but oh my gosh, the dollar dance, I think she might've been wearing something around her waist with ribbons and people clipped the dollars to the ribbons and I don't even know. And the men stand there in a line trying to wait for the bride and then the ladies and so it's so it's not if you bring like an envelope with a check or cash this is like i'm gonna literally give you a dollar for the honor of dancing with you i don't know how many people carry a lot of cash around anymore but anyway it's just painful please just stick that money in an envelope put it in their bucket of good wedding gifts and let's call it a day it's painful it's painful and then what if you're the only person that didn't want to dance with the bride? Who are you? Anyway, I don't like it. I don't usually give my opinion. Maybe that's not my opinion. I just don't like it. <laughs> so I want you to decide to set your evening up for the best success possible. The music is usually something that the men care a lot about. Their top three things of what they care about are the music, the booze, and the food. Not in that particular order. Could be the food, the booze, the music. Could be the booze, the music, the food. So, everyone, all of those things are very important. Now, what shall we discuss next? I think, so I think, Kelly, I think you brought up some really great points on DJs. And so if I can just 
maybe jump on them and then guide people through this. We think DJs are super awesome. They can literally have the moon, the stars. They can have slow jazz to, you know, Bruno Mars at the blended touch of a button. And especially with technology these days, like there can be a ton of options for you. I think what we're saying is with a DJ, sometimes we feel that you need to have a tiny bit more communication with them to ensure you understand what is going to happen. Also, if DJs come from big companies, oftentimes there's like a head Fred or Frederica and they run the company and then they have their team members and they send 10 team members out. You might have had the most lovely engaging meeting in the store or in the uh, you know, in a Zoom with this boss person. And then you might get little, you know, Fred Jr. and he's not so great. So I think it's really important to make sure that if you're going with a DJ company, we love it. There's tons of flexibility. You could put them anywhere. Oftentimes it is on a budget concept, which we've already talked the budget pains. It can be cheaper. You know, it's checking a lot of boxes. So they're good for a lot of reasons. But then just make sure you know, okay, Fred, gosh, Frederica, we loved talking with you. We love your company. We're going to sign in the dotted line. Who's going to be at my event? Is it Kelly? Is it Carrie? Is it Amanda? Because Amanda's not my jam, but Kelly can come all day. So make sure you know your individual person if you're working with a company. And then make sure that you also, oftentimes nowadays too, they do have templates that you can fill out. Especially if you don't have a planner, they're going to want to know what's your mom's name, what's your dad's name, that whole thing. So there's a lot of paperwork we're telling you, don't skimp on it. Don't let them fly off the handle. Don't let them fill the dead airspace talking about their past trip and weekend before. You know, you want to just make sure you give a little extra time to your DJ folk. You want to make sure you know them specifically within a company umbrella. And then you want to also come like real candidly. Kelly came out with it. No dollar dance. If you've got like a cute little, who's read the Owl Diaries? Anybody? She's like, I do like, I do not like. I love, I do not love. Okay, so pull a little, I love, I want levitating and I want all the things and I do not love my achy breaky heart and I do not love the Cupid Shuffle and you need to specifically say that even if they have paperwork, take an extra email closer to your, uh, you know, your reception date and say, hey, Fred Jr., just touching base. So excited to have you. Hey, Kelly, we can't believe it's you. We're so excited. Again, these are my I loves. These are my I do not loves. Do you need anything else from me? So that just might be another massaged point, a little bit more burden for you, if you will, if that's going to be your route, because sometimes we've seen these folks get real loosey-goosey. Technically, they are a one-man, one-lady show. So their whole talent is to move this thing so they don't have the horn section and the whatever and the band. Like they are more of a situation with that. So we're just saying get to know your person. Make sure who you have around you is who you want to be around you. And so with a DJ, you might have a little bit more time because there's so many options out there too with the technology these days. Take your time to get the right fit for you. Bands are a little bit more, if you like it, you break it, you buy it. You know what I mean? you got to get on those people. So go grab those people. But DJs, take your time. Make sure it's a good fit so that you have the same fabulous dance floor and more. No, I mean, I think I'm the oddball out here because I prefer a DJ versus a band. But I, I do. I'd rather hear... I'd rather hear the actual song and the music versus someone's interpretation of it. Even if they're a great band, chances are there's going to be something in there that I hate and is going to drive me bananas. And if I know I can select my songs, then I know I've picked songs I like and I don't have to worry about it, you know? I think all of that is 
wonderful in consideration for bands and DJs. When we think about uh, the next subject I'm going to do is florist. There is a lot of conversation for people who are very budget conscious about using faux flowers. I don't like it unless it's really good quality. That's the, my first thing. And I, I'm not trying to be a snooty snoot. It's that if they don't look real, they just don't look real. That is in every single picture. Your bouquet is in every single picture. I think you can kind of people are moving away from boutonnieres a little bit. If you were going to skimp on that, and those are, you know, between 15 and 20, I'd say I'm doing florists a mad service if I say 15 anymore. And the reason why you possibly know this too is because your kids had homecoming and prom and things like that. And you know, they are 18, 20 bucks, 21 bucks, that kind of thing. But if you had nine groomsmen and you could save that and that didn't bother you not to have it, usually those guys are in a uniform suit or tux that was rented. So they are identifiable. But dads, I would say dads and groom, obviously would be a good idea to have a boutonniere. But if you didn't want that either, usually the groom is spiffy in a beautiful situation of a tie. So the faux flower, you have to spend money on it anyway. What are you going to do with it after? That's my question. I just don't even, I don't know what to say here. The only time I had a wedding that used them well, and really it might be the only wedding that ever did use them, they were submerged. It was an orchid wrapped around a glass vessel uplit from the bottom, and they looked pretty good. But the the vessel uh, developed bubbles in it, kind of like the stagnant water <laughs> that stood there. That would just be a water situation, though, not a not a flower. I think you can talk to your florist and you certainly seasonal flowers, you know, if you want a peony in October, you're going to pay four bucks a stem if we can even get it, if not five bucks, that kind of thing. So you really have to just be mindful of what things cost and greenery is your friend and candlelight is your friend too. In certain ways to kind of talk to your florist about, hey, instead of me paying $2 a votive with you, can I go and get a dozen votives, uh, Walmart, Hobby Lobby, uh, poured votive is the glass one. That's the one I like. It burns for longer. Sometimes people drop in that tea light. Some venues will provide that, but candlelight is key to ambiance. And you also have to make sure of the policies of your venue about actual flame. Usually contained flame in a glass is accepted, but tapers, for instance, are not. That's open flame and fire can happen because people bump tables. My sidebar, little pro tip on floating candles. Yes, they are beautiful. Yes, I love the look. It is outstanding. The moment somebody bumps a table, that light is out and cannot be relit. It is wet. It has a puddle in the middle. Cannot be relit. And so I go forward with the reaction of a bouquet. So beautiful. Smells lovely. It's part of your whole mood and loveliness. Now I have a friend that I... (laughs) work with and she was getting married on a mountaintop and had to cram those flowers in a backpack. So yes, I approve. I approve of her message. They were faux flowers. So also just a note, sometimes when we get that bill from the florist, they were connected and they had the lovely link up with uh, linens and cool I don't know if we had to do a tent or a boxwood wall or that kind of thing. Those are rentals. I don't want you to think that because at the end their bill looks to be X, Y, Z, or if you had a tent, that's not fair. So if it went through and they were kind of subcontracting other things out, we don't want to go to have 
coffee in on a golf course and say, oh my God, my wife in the tent and it's going to be costing me $25,000 or $55,000 or $5,000. That's not fair. But we also don't need to be talking about it on a golf course. We need to be using blanket terms like it's a wedding, man. I was prepared for college expenditures, but this is something special. And everybody can laugh, smoke the cigar and call it a day. I agree. I think just to like be including everybody and all, you make a total good point about full flower versus real, especially supply chain issue. It's almost like you need to talk to everybody depending on your motivation. If you're just mentally set on budget, I don't think it's that drawing a line anymore for the type of faux flower that you like versus real flower. But I also think Think outside the box, include other things on the tabletop like candlelight or something and put your f- real flowers when they're real. I think too, just, just trusting them and their years and years of knowledge and experience where if you say, oh gosh, I really want this exotic flower from wherever and they say, you know, I, I used that one time and it wilts and it's going to be terrible or it puts off this weird stink or whatever listen to them. They know this. They've been doing it. You know, like don't ramrod your, well, don't push your, your ideas through, you know, just because it's something that you want, like listen to the experts. That's why you've hired them. You know, they're, they're the experts. They're there for a reason. They're only going to make your day better. Something I like to say is that your five senses make memories and smell is one of them. So like if you're holding your bouquet and you get that put into your hand, I have walked into a room and been knocked off my socks because it smells so amazing. Like to me, I can remember some certain events I can remember because of those smells. So that is important and it is notable. It is special. I take your point on if you want to preserve something like there's these cool like wood looking succulents and things. And if you want four of those on a table that then become your entryway bathroom. Sure. We're not saying don't do it. We're saying fit your vibe, fit your mojo, but maybe you you can do held real life orchids or a peony hello flower with a smell or all the things. And then you can do candlelight and you didn't have to go the faux route. So we're just also... Centerpiece is going to be anything that is interesting to look at. But if you're going to get a florist, oftentimes they are talented, but two-handed. And so those are people on your list. If they're going to be designing your look, go grab them early. And or if you're just getting your pieces for your bouquets, boutonnieres, go ahead and ask if they have that package and could they put you in on that weekend? And if you're really incentivized, what's the other person using? Like, is it all creams and whites and ivories? Well, then I'll go that same route. Help you out. Will you on to do my personal flowers personal flowers again lingo insider not meaning to be exclusive it's like if you're just going to do real flowers for your boutonnieres your bouquets your grandma corsages that sort of thing and this other wedding you put a call to this florist and they're like no way jose we're booked or henry or you know joseetta sorry no way ma'am sir folk we're busy you can say oh i'm just doing personal flowers what are you already getting in could you just make more they might be more inclined to take you help you in that valley wick help be conservative in cost eco chic on the plane ride from you know hawaii when you're flowing in your 
orchids, whatever, whatever. Just always ask the questions and be an amenable person to work with and let them shine as the artisan that they are and let them offer a tip. Oh my gosh, I was just at a show and I saw these cute little birds. Do you want two little lovebirds on one table as opposed to a flower? Yes, I would love that. Thank you for saving me hundreds of dollars, you know? So, but yes, they should be on your top of the list because they are or closer to the top because they're two hands and talented. So. I love what you said about the senses. The senses. I love it. I love what I love that. That actually is a segue to my my one question about this with vendors is a when you're when you're deciding on the the theme or the concept of your wedding, everything that you select is going to fall under that umbrella. So, you know, if you're doing a barbecue, a casual barbecue, your invites are going to look like this. Your flowers are going to look like that. Your table's going to look like this. Your everything, you know what I mean? Like your music selection is probably going to veer toward that potentially. If you're flipped on the other side and you're doing like a super elegant black tie, white tie event, everything again kind of falls under that you know that feeling so is it common that you would like I guess share kind of a mood board with your vendors would you ever do like a kickoff call with everyone and say this is this is the feeling or the the theme we I mean I know you'd have to pay them for that hour but you know this is kind of what I want to do you florist go and come back and show me some tables and some bouquets and whatever and you caterer think of some you know what I mean like does that ever happen well that is very interesting and a good question no they're not not typically typically your vendors this top kind of five starting team are super super busy so sometimes for instance it's a hard conversation to have and most people do not approach this hi I'll pay you for an hour of your time like a consultation and the vendor, if they are trying to get your wedding and don't have your wedding, or once they do have your wedding, they want to make the best, most efficient use of their time. So for instance, if they don't need to be there to know about your band and things like that, mood board, like it. Pinterest boards have happened. I don't know where we are in the land of Pinterest. The reason why it's good is because they can make a board private and therefore you can get a feel for what people like. That is, it is uncommon to have a broad collaborative thing. You know, for instance, the florist may not care to ever meet with your band, except if the florist is designing around the band and their stage certain specifications and specs have to happen that would be conducive to that. But no, typically your theme is communicated from you to each vendor separately. If you choose to not have a planner, then you will just be communicating what you want your field to be. And each different person is going to have to provide their service to you or their product to you to your liking specified to that service. But no, there isn't usually a powwow. That's kind of what I want to call it. Not usually a powwow, but, and I am a vendor. I do enjoy over communication a lot of times because more is more. And then if something goes wrong, for instance, if I wasn't at a meeting at the hotel with the food and beverage director and mom decided she wanted to have Bailey's served, with the coffee. She said she wanted it available at the bar with her coffee. And 
that catering person has left because they have cut the cake and they are done. And so their catering captains are in charge and every server is walking around with a pot of coffee and Bailey's and mom comes to me saying, Kelly, oh my God, they're pouring, they're offering Bailey's to every single person. And I wasn't at that meeting. That was bad. Uh, Every shot of Bailey's was eight bucks. And so by the time that Bailey's was out of the hopper and at the tables, the cat was out of the bag, if you will. And so that is why I like to be present for or informed about most all meetings. So I feel like uh, in the back of my mind, like the way to do that would be if you are having a big birthday for your father-in-law to be or something, you could always do like a mock trial and get to know these people. Like if you have a longer engagement and you're just, you're not certain you could like build them into another occasion to pay them and celebrate them. Like if they don't come, I mean like that to me is, I'm like, how could you like freeze a wedding? You know, either you could plan a whole mock event, like a surprise birthday party for your soon to be partner. Like, okay. And this is our prequel to our wedding. Like prequel. I mean, that would be the only way to do it. Or Kelly mentioned a lot of, Teams could say, hey, we're doing a setup or we're doing our sound check or we're doing, can you come at this time? You might look out and if you do have a wedding coordinator, they might be like, oh my gosh, three of your five top are at this other event. It's going to look totally different because it's outdoors or indoors or whatever, but you can come get their style. Or, hey, we're setting up something and they're also using orchids. Do you want to come see my arrangement? I think reaching out for opportunities for you to do the legwork especially if you're looking for it to be free is I think vendors are happy to show off their style. Um, Some of them will have consultations. You can also look for days when they have like open houses. Sometimes there's um, like bridal shows and things like that. That could be like a good base point to get a lot of people in the same room and be like, Oh my gosh, I just talked to so-and-so they're going to be there too. A lot of those people kind of hobnob before some, yes, there's rivalries if you're in the same industry, but at some point, everybody is busy. So they're like, you're not doing it. Are you picking that up? You know, so there's, I mean, there's a good bit of congeniality as well, I would say, at vendor shows, if that's your sh- ballywick. If you go to those, you're, you're a congenial booth mate to your peers. Um, so then you could say, Heather down the way is doing flowers. Oh my gosh, Jim, you're the DJ. Do y'all know each other? And they'll be like, yeah, hey, waves. So I feel like you can get vibes that way at bridal shows. But do we need to see? We need to see all the time. Yeah, I'm right. Let's talk photos because that was that's the image. Let me just say these things about photographers. There are a lot of them, and many people can build a darn tootin' good website and have taken just one class at their favorite place to take a class and call themselves <laughs> a photographer. I would say this. I I always feels a little bit bad when somebody says, "Oh, I hired Jane Doe," and I might say. Oh, I haven't worked with them. That doesn't mean anything necessarily, but there are a lot, a lot, a lot of photographers. So usually a photographer will contract for typically eight hours of shooting. Most of them would require a second shooter. Typically the reason why is because for instance, what do you want to capture? The groom's face as you're walking down the aisle, and I do not care if you've seen each other prior to the wedding for photographs. There is nothing like that moment when the doors open and the music begins and the people rise, and then it's time. So who you gonna, whose face is more important, your face 
with you and your dad and you and your person, you and whoever you are walking down the aisle with, or the person waiting for you at the other end of the aisle. Hmm, hard, hard. You got one, one photographer, then you only got one shot at that moment. Same thing goes on if I'm in a hotel and I have boys getting ready and girls getting ready and it's time to be getting dressed and I have mom and daughter and a special moment and a beautiful hanky being given or a moment of we left grandpa or somebody else that we may have missed or whatever. We're capturing it. We're capturing it. Uh-oh. At the same time, groomsman is getting his bow tie tied by his daddy and he is, or a groom, I should say. I'm sorry. And, or you just, you can't be in two places at once. So yes, could you construct your timeline to, to try to avoid that? You sure could. And like first dances, you can't be on father, daughter and catch mom looking at them with her whole heart bursting. You gotta get, it's like a horrible (laughs) ping pong match and somebody gets left out. Unfortunately, it's usually the groom, right? And all these scenarios, or unfortunately it's the part of the team that didn't hire them, right? If it's, you just can't. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and so again, we use some lingo there. Second shooter means just additional person with a lens. Sometimes there's also a guy gal team. Um, cause also who's around you, you're getting these zip up the back moments. You're getting into your skivvies. A bridesmaid has a, you know, uh, what's a wardrobe malfunction in the getting ready zone. And she comes out screaming, needing a pin, you know, just think about it. I mean, at some point it's, it's not geo. They might've been there. They might've done it as an internship. It's all fine, but who's around you. There could be a male female partnership. If that makes you feel more comfortable for certain times of your day, or they get access to certain places. So just always think about the whole day and ask them what they prefer. But ultimately two people is going to help you get a really robust idea of both of the couple for that whole day and, or get some cute things like grandma while something is happening like the cake cutting using her cake knife because otherwise you can't you can't get both the ideal situation would be to have two shooters because there's just a lot going on and they have a lot of equipment i would say a conversation is really good you need to love the personality if it's a person who is very directive and bossy and that's what you need great But if that is not what you need and you are not into dipping your shoulder down and tilting your head to the left or to the right or jumping in unison or whatever it is, then you have to be sure to know that that person is with you the whole day long. So also a good idea if you've been in somebody else's wedding, again, like or not like, uh, it's not a criticism of your cousin's photographer that you may have loved or detested. It's just driving you to something you know you want for yourself on your own wedding day. These are things that are important. Sometimes it's just observations. I like this style. I didn't like that. I would rather have done this. I would want to do that. Are you willing to do this? Will you ride on the bus with us? No, I will not. I have too much equipment. Do you want them to ride on the bus with you? Maybe not. Maybe so. Just these kinds of things. Also, just remember, if I haven't said it already, most vendors... Uh, many of them, this one particularly, photographers, band, DJ, videographers, they do contract for a meal, must be fed. They've been, they're, they're planning on eight hours, whatever. I will end this with, if you're doing a send-off at the end of the night, that is usually falling outside the umbrella of the contracted time. So, for instance, if you have sparklers or fireworks or 
whatever it is, and they have not been contracted for that period of time, you either have to resign yourself to the fact that it's going to have to be captured by somebody you hope is sober enough to get it, and or you need to see if they have an hourly fee that perhaps just one of them, not the second shooter, but just one person could stay and capture that send-off. Photographers, we love them. All right, we're going straight on into catering, food, yummy things. Think that you clearly, if you are in a venue, many of them will have the uh, a recommended caterer list. There's a reason for this. It's not because they're trying to squeeze you out of some person that you know that has a great catering company or whatnot. It's because probably somebody came into their business and either did such a great job, they would love it if they could singly, exclusively refer those people, or somebody came in and was ridiculous and stupid and ruined one of their catering sinks or whatever it is. So I think it's a good idea to consider one of their preferred caterers because they wouldn't have them on a list if they didn't recommend them on that subject I think people always assume a buffet is less money than a plated served meal. That is not necessarily the case. And not every single person is the same in that quoting situation. Sometimes you can achieve a more cost-efficient situation if you do a served meal because it's a finite quantity. For instance, I'm serving X amount of slices of tenderloin on plates, X amount of potatoes on plates, X amount of vegetables on plates, so forth, so on. Whereas if I have a situation where it is a buffet and I want a carving station at the end of it, in addition to having fried chicken on it and this, that, and the other, and hey, the word got out that the fried chicken was the jam, the jam, jam, and people came back for three more pieces of it, that is where the catering staff has to be prepared to fill it up as it is served. Same kind of situation, at barbecue, that kind of thing. So just be sure to consider that when you're asking those questions, for sure. Hors d'oeuvres usually sold by the piece. I think that a lot of people, sometimes you can ask for certain cute, fun ways in math. If one of the things you're serving is the most delicious thing you've ever crushed your lips, you could say, hey, I want to serve less quantity of the shrimp cocktail, more expensive, and when it's gone, it's gone, but I want to have more of the bacon-wrapped water chestnut or bacon-wrapped date. Bacon-wrapped everything, let's face it, so delicious. So that kind of math, you'll, you'll want to talk to your people. They do have good formulas. Usually if you're doing past hors d'oeuvres, it's Three choices would be great. Sometimes you do a station of things. I'm just throwing in my little observation of the world. If we're going to do a big, giant crudite, veggie display, blah, blah, blah. In my experience, people don't take as much of that healthy food. They'd rather be at the big mountain of cheese. And <laughs> that's for you all to discuss and consider. Produce is actually expensive. And so carefully consider what you're doing there. I would also say that when you're going into a country club or a hotel and the catering is what the catering is and the chef is who the chef and who the chef is, ask the questions. Hey, I'm going to have 250 people. What do you suggest? What is the best way to go about this? Do you like doing a served plated meal or do you prefer a buffet? What What is the best setup for success for their kitchen and staff based on what you are serving? Kosher meals you know, certain religious observings take you into a whole different realm. And that is probably a topic for a different day. 
then we're going to keep cake separate also, but most of the time your cake vendor is somebody separate and cake is sold and priced by the slice. Your caterers, I would ask for a tasting. I think you need to be sure to ask if that tasting is complimentary or if it has a cost to it. Either way, I think you should do it. It's a good idea. So sometimes they'll do a tasting for four people. So just things like that. Or if you're tasting two different types of salads and you like goat cheese, don't like goat cheese, you want to shift over cranberries or nuts or whatever it is. I think that is a really good idea to have a tasting. Also in consideration here in the land of what goes on in your meal is if you're having a served salad, if it is pre-plated, if it is on a buffet, it takes up space, those kinds of things. Can it shave off time in your service? Do you like the way that looks? It changes the, the place setting and the tabletop when you're walking into that ballroom, but sometimes people move to food and the movement of people is one of the most difficult things we have in the timing of our events. But that is my brief thing. You got to like it. You got to ask how many servers per table. You got to ask about wine service if they can achieve it, if it is a good idea. The beverages land in the land of your catering. Sometimes the venue wants to handle the beverage and they earn their money that way. But the caterer is a separate arm. So then you need to ask questions like Who's doing all of the clearing and busing, if you will? I hate the word busing. Who is keeping the room looking nice? Does it land into the bartending staff or the catering staff if they are separate from each other? So these are all important things. Some people have this next level service of when the people got up from their table, their staff is following that situation. If it were a buffet and they are taking the napkin off of the seat and folding it behind the chair, and that is lovely and pretty and wonderful, but sometimes we just don't have that service type in our wheelhouse. Is your service staff all yours or are you having to contract out for it? So for instance, if I am a big darn deal at a country club and it is August and all of my service staff just went back to college, are you going to be able to achieve it? Who are you going to hire from? Do you share it with other country clubs? Just make sure you feel good about how many servers, where it's all shaken out. That is where I will leave it. Everybody, food really, really matters. Don't think for a second if you're going with a lower end on the budget. The bottom line is you're paying for it, period, no matter what it is. So try to make sure it tastes good. If you're paying for it, you're paying for it. It needs to be good. I don't care if it's meatballs and french fries. And I just don't care. It needs to be good. You also need to consider when you're asking a country club or a hotel if you can bring in your favorite Uh, late night snack from a local burger joint, they're probably going to say no. If they say no, you can say, hey, but what if we do that? And then you guys add the French fries so that they're getting some revenue off of it. Maybe you can massage that situation to where there can be an exception made. Or maybe it's the favorite malt shop and it's shakes at the end of the night. And as long as you do late night pizza with said Uh, establishment. Maybe they can turn the other way and let you bring in those shakes. Catering. We love to eat. Let them eat and drink and be married. So if I'm going to go and land this beautiful topic in our old new borrowed true, I am going with old. Hey, maybe consider the old tradition of not seeing each other prior to the wedding. I'm just throwing in an old thought of if that's your wish, 
and you really want that to be a special thing, then I think you should be true to yourselves. I think that, yes, photographers, sometimes most of them, not all of them, like it when you have a first look because you it's just not so rushed. I think you need to understand that you will not typically get to be there for your cocktail hour, if you will, unless you have time in between your wedding and your reception. I also don't re- recommend that. Your guests don't like it. And I don't care what the trend is saying right now. And in New York, they're saying, yeah, put all this time in between. Well, that's just trendy. And that's vendor speak for, I want to do some more special stuff in the land of vendor world. Bottom line is this is your wedding. And no matter what I want for you, if you don't want to see each other before, I think you stick to that old tradition and make that special. However, that being said, I am always saying be true to yourself and so that decision is yours to make. I am going to go to the borrowed. Do the I'll do the new. You do. Huh? Yeah. Take it away. Okay. So the new is let's talk vendor meals. Kelly mentioned in contracts, things that might not be transparent. So you're paying for orchids. And then now all of a sudden you go to sign in the dotted line. It's not usually a florist thing. I picked it. Sometimes it might be if they're really out of the way. But then vendor meals. So like your band, like your photographer who's been with you for eight hours, it may say vendor meal in their contract because they're asking you to help support them. This dovetails into your caterer. So I do not think that it is always so fabulous to sling a cold cut at a vendor and say, good luck, have a nice life when you're eating filet mignon and lobster. However, if the band is not on stage and they're supposed to be taking or they're playing dinner music and then you're eating the lobster, do you want two hour old lobster or early lobster that's darn toot and raw? No, you don't. So it can be a catering nightmare. Here's my new. Ask if there's a vendor meal buyout so they can just door dash. Because if someone wants taco to ask for a vendor buyout, do they want Chipotle from down on the block and Jenny at the hood can go get it and they can go through a drive through Just give a vendor buyout rather than tossing them a cold cut or scoffing that these people want to eat a meal because you want them smiling, happy, fed. Eat the lobster and do the, this send-off. They will be good. You don't know about allergies. You don't know who's a vegan. You don't know who's on a diet. After the buyout, welcome to the new. You can door dash just about anything. If you are in a location in an urban area, I said the hood. I just meant what's around you. They can probably go out, take their own, eat their own. They don't all have to be same as you. Eat the same. They could eat a donut for dinner. But you just want to, you do want to treat them with respect. You want to see them as a human being, who not a robot. They need to feel their best self. They don't need a gluten cross-contamination. And maybe your caterer can't handle it. That is okay. They are people too. Do a vendor meal buyout and get them happy, pappy, fed, and fabulous. That's my Oh, new. my gosh. This is life-changing in my world of wedding planner speak of I love all the people. Everyone needs to eat. That is all I'm saying. A vendor buyout of meals is beautiful. I love it. They take care of themselves. But all the vendors, I want you to weigh in on this. Maybe you want it to be different. But bottom line is they need to eat, but they want to eat at the same time all of the guests are eating. And that is hard. And so it's the worst when I am looking, trying to make sure that my bride and groom have taken a seat and mom and dad have taken a seat and everybody's ready to be served. And all the polite servers are trying to hit that head table first. And I got 
eight people in a band and the photographer's looking at me going, where's our meal? Where's our meal? Where's our meal? You're brilliant. Amanda, June, Suzanne, Conchita, Suela, lover. We said we'd look at five, top five, kind of top five. It's hard, hard for me to narrow this down. So I'm going to go to the next part of your team that I feel cannot achieve more than really one event can possibly squeeze into per weekend or day, wedding day. And that would be, you know, I struggle, everybody, because I am a wedding planner. I'm not going to throw planners in there, but yes, they, they do get booked and they cannot serve more than one wedding in a weekend. I'm going hair and makeup with the fine words of our favorite that is in the floral industry would say, if the bride feels pretty, we're all going to have a good day. And that is the truth. So hair and makeup, those people, their busiest day, hair specifically, makeup is a little bit different because most people don't just go get their makeup done on Saturdays. But hair, that is the busiest day in a salon because everybody wants a Saturday because if we work during the week and we don't want to take time off to get our hair done, that is a stylist's busiest day in the salon. So if you would like for said stylist to come out of the salon and come to your wonderful family's home and or to come to the venue and the beautiful bridal suite or groom's area and you want to secure a cool dude that'll come and do shaves on the day of your wedding, so forth, so on, so forth, so on. They really, depending on how many people you have, again, this goes back to number of bridesmaids, so we we count it, number of heads, number of faces, and then we also need to decide if that person needs to bring a second stylist and to help achieve your timeline is the thing, but it can't be for four people or for six people. Usually they want to do it all themselves because it doesn't make any sense and they would rather have that revenue. I will say that it's been brought to my attention by them and I would agree all of the time. If this is not paid for ahead of time, it's awkward and weird. And at the end of hair and makeup, the stylist is cleaning up their things, but now they need their payment and they don't know what you've arranged. They don't know if the bride is paying for everybody and or if every girl was supposed to pay for themselves. Maybe the girls didn't even find out if they were supposed to be paying for themselves. But that would be much better if it could be paid for in on the front end. Sometimes they charge differently for updos and blowouts. But if your hair is going up, never show up with wet hair because that's just going to tack on another 30 minutes to your style. And if you want to have your hair redone, this is usually problematic. But this is also why I never want the bride going at the beginning or the end. The bride doesn't want to be at the beginning because she wants to be the freshest and she perceives if she went too early that she will not be the most fresh. But I don't want her at the end because if somebody in the middle wanted to have something redone, then who is late? The bride. I also don't want her best people, maids, maid of honor, siblings, whatever, family that needs to be in those pictures of perhaps getting dressed, so forth, so on. Moms don't usually take as long in hair, but I would say hair and makeup, really, really important. Obviously, you should have a hair and makeup trial, and a lot of people think they don't want makeup because we've all had a bad hair and makeup experience. But if your planner or your friends have very good quality people in their hopper, 
They are going to be able to refer people that will make you feel the most pretty that you've ever felt. And then in those same fine words, I'll quote it again. If we feel pretty, everybody's going to have a good day. Nothing worse than not feeling great. I will add that if you get a big giant underground zit, don't pick it. Just don't pick it. You can go to certain salons and they can do a zit zap. Rather have that than a big fat scab on your face. (laughs) So here's my good, the bad, and the ugly. So let's just say you've found your person. There's writing on the wall. Maybe you looked through a drawer and there's a ring and these things and it hasn't happened yet. Do you call your band and reserve them before you're even engaged? If they are the hottest ticket on the town, do you call your cake? Does the parent call and say secretly we think it's happening because someone asked for someone's hand in a very old and fashioned way so do we think it's good juju bad juju good to do to reserve before it's the real real uh because i've seen it happen more times than one well i have had this is interesting very interesting i have had this and I thought it was kind of smart because the hand had been asked for and they, it it allowed, you know, I think it's really hard for people to have engagements that stay to a contained year if they want to get married in the most busy wedding months, which a lot of people think is May, June and May, June is very, very busy. But back in the day, if girls wanted to get married in those months and your church was a busy place, which churches are, oftentimes those June dates were booked way ahead. So I have had a mom call and say, hey, keep this in the vault. So-and-so, I think we're looking at next year, and we could kind of get it penciled in. It was, I thought it was a kind of a good idea. It relieved some stress and got got out in front of it. And I, I was kind of okay with that. I'm totally the opposite. <laughs> I say, I mean, I understand from a practical standpoint what the the need or willingness to lock things in. But if I was the asking person and I found out that that they found out that I was going to ask and went ahead and made some arrangements without me before this happened, I'd be so pissed and feeling like I was only unless, like only unless there was some mutual understanding between the families, the couple, everyone that, you know, this is our goal date. This is for sure our location and venue. You know what I mean? Like we know we need this band or we're going to die, you know, like whatever those things are. Otherwise I would say you're taking a real big leap. And if things go sideways, that could be a very sticky way to set off this whole planning process. Wow. I never, I never looked at it that way. And frankly, I don't even know if the, I don't know if even the couple, the bride even would discover that it had been planned ahead of the actual engagement. I'm not sure. And so I I respect your perspective of that and I'm taking it to heart. All right, everybody be patient. You can all find a good date. If there's something I've learned with, again, I hate mentioning that pandemic, but you and we're still realizing the busy dates in non-typical times because it got to where 
venues were booking Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And so because everybody was so booked up with rescheduling everything and it was so hard to find available times. So then the, the nugget to take to heart here is that you can find a good date and not to get ahead of ourselves. Moms and dads and brides and grooms could be anybody that was doing that ahead of time. Beautiful. I feel like unless you've, unless the couple has like already predetermined and kind of has this plan in place, you're kind of stripping away the experience of talking about setting the date and talking about choosing all this stuff. If, if one party just kind of goes rogue and like books it and then you're like, Oh, I mean, you can, you can, I don't want to use the word manipulate, but that kind of is what it is where you could go back and say, Oh, well, this place is great. And guess what? It happens to be available. <laughs> you know, I circumstances like a deployment, like moving because of a residency. I think there's scenarios where you could argue both sides. Right. Kill yeah. Man with the put me down as a right to first refusal or put me in my pencil. Um, but in theory, I think Carrie's bringing us home with if this is a dream, it's a dream of two. So wait to take this process of engagement together to find your vendor teams. Um, and that's where we're at. Okay. I have learned something on this day. Beautiful. 